And good morning. It is good to be with y'all today. Uh, it's wonderful to be here and appreciate the uh, introduction. And uh, my wife is with me. This is Elizabeth. Elizabeth grew up uh, as a MK. She was a missionary. Her family were missionaries to Nigeria, Africa. And uh, that worked out really, really well for me because of my friends and my family. They will tell you uh, nobody on this continent would have married me. And so... <laughs> I appreciate her, and I appreciate her traveling, traveling with me. You heard that I grew up at your Baptist Children's Village, at your ministry. I lived there 18 years. And you're going to hear me throughout this morning explain to you just how this is your ministry. God has given me a ministry here, but this ministry does not belong to me. This ministry belongs to the Baptist churches in the state of Mississippi. Let me tell you this, uh, because my brother would want you to know this. There were five Milner children. I have three brothers, and we had one sister. He would want you to know, the one closest to me, the reason that I hold the record for living at the Baptist Children's Village longer than any other child in its history. I lived there longer than any other child in your ministry's history. My brother Mike wants you to know why. That's because I flunked the third and the seventh grade. He wants you to know that, and it's okay to laugh. I laugh about it. I use that as part of my testimony because with so many things, when it is our fault and when we fail and when we're broken by our own decisions, no matter at what age, that doesn't mean that God can't turn it into something beautiful. So no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter what, how big of a loser you think you are or what you think has been such the biggest failure in your life, no. There's a God that's bigger than that. And there's a Savior whose grace we just sung about that dwarfs your failure. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, I grew up at your Baptist Children's Village. I became the executive director of your Baptist Children's Village on November the 1st of last year, 2016. For those of you who are ministers in the audience, you know that what happens on November the 1st, the Mississippi Baptist Convention. So my first day on the job, I'm at the Mississippi Baptist Convention. My second day on the job, I address the Mississippi Baptist Convention to give a report about the Baptist Children's Village. Now talk about somebody who has no clue what he's talking about. Having been my second day on the job, and the first day all I do is run around and introduce myself to preachers, and that's all I did. But now I've been there a year, so hopefully the report to you this morning will be better than the convention got, got a year ago. I did practice law for 23 years. I had my own law firm. I was a litigator around the state of Mississippi. Uh, my law partner was a believer, and when I felt the Lord calling me into this position, then he was gracious enough, and God provided, and he was able uh, to purchase the practice. I'm no longer practicing law. I'm 100% involved uh, in your ministry. Uh, that's a little bit about me. I want you to know that I've studied a little bit about you. I enjoy going to the website of the church and see what they're about. I'm very impressed, and I'm always pleased when I see mottos on a church similar to yours. Expanding his kingdom across the street and around the world. The gospel message of Christ. Here's your around the world, and I know that y'all do other things. I know that you do mission trips, and I know that you go around the world. This morning, I want to explain to you what you're doing across the street. Throughout the state of Mississippi for lost children and at-risk families throughout the state. And I'll tell you a little bit of my own testimony as we go through it. If you want to join me, open your Bibles to Jeremiah 
Now, you can probably quote this verse without even actually going and looking there. This is now one of my favorite verses, but at one time a verse that caused me much angst. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It may come as no surprise to you that uh, because I'm a litigator, I was one of the kids that it was hard to convince that Moses actually put that many animals on a boat. Okay? I just had a problem with that. I had a problem with a lot of things. One of the things that I had a problem with was verses like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Wait a minute, Lord. If you've got a plan for my life when I'm young, I don't want any part of it. I don't want any part of your plan. Because when I was two years old and my youngest brother was five days old, my father left my mother and her five children sitting on a park bench in Sacramento, California. Didn't tell her that she didn't have any more money or that he checked her out of the hotel. Didn't tell her any of those things. Wait a minute. What about all the people telling me God's all loving and God's all powerful? Where's this all loving and all powerful God in Sacramento, California on this park bench? She got charity from people and got train tickets back to Mississippi. She was from Claiborne County. That's where her family was and in Port Gibson, Mississippi. We lived there for three more years. I was five years old when, when life got to be too complicated for her and alcoholism kicked in. I want you to know that I had my mother until I was a sophomore in college before alcoholism finally took her. But on that day in Port Gibson, Mississippi, life was too big, and I was five years old when I heard the gunshot. And I remember pulling her back into the house off the back porch and my oldest brother having to run two miles to the nearest house that had a phone. Where's God? Where's this all-loving, all-powerful God? I'm still very close friends with many of the kids that I grew up with at the Baptist Children's Village. And we call each other village kids. It's a term of endearment. It's how we refer to one another. And one of my friends' name was David, and I have his permission to share. David's first recollection as a, as a, as a child was his parents shooting one another through a car that he was sitting in. Where's, where's this all-loving, this all-powerful God? Where is he? And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you have the same situation. Or maybe you're listening to the world and they're coming at you with, hey, God couldn't have put that many animals on the ark. And the Bible, hey, come on, it's some fairy tales. It's been proven by science. And it probably will come as no surprise to you that my hobby is apologetics. And I enjoy it. And I enjoy talking to people who claim to be of, of uh, atheistic mindset or agnostics. And I want to share with them in love. To give those proof, I, I enjoy that. But you may be dealing with these kind of things this morning. And you may want to know, hey, or what about me? I'm just broken. I've failed so hard. I've failed so miserably. And it's children at the, at the village. We don't have a problem with judgment. What our problem was is, is there a place in there for me? Does, does this God really love me? Maybe you're dealing with that this morning. And I hope through learning about this ministry and what God's accomplished through your ministry and through this, I hope you see the Savior of the grace that we sung about, the God, the Lion, the Almighty. I hope you see that this morning. Your Baptist Children's Village, and the reason I keep talking about it as being your Baptist Children's Village, I want to tell you the story. As I travel around and get to speak to the people who make this ministry work, which is you, I understand that maybe not everybody understands. So I want you to understand in 1893, there was a pastor from Senatobia, Mississippi, First Baptist Church. His name was the Reverend uh, uh, L.S. Foster, First Baptist Church, Senatobia. 
And he started championing this cause for children and families in the state of Mississippi. And he wrote in the Baptist record in uh, 1893, if this thought is of God, he will put it into the heart of some person to send a contribution for this cause. In December of that same year, a Baptist lady from Tillatoba, Mississippi, Miss Lou H. Moore, she writes him a back and she writes him this letter. With my prayers, I enclose this dollar for the institution. If it finds company enough to affect a movement, you will hear from me again. Her dollar found other dollars, found other companies, and found them at a time when there was no phone system, no computer, no iCloud, no iDrop, or anything else we think we have to have for ministry to work today. What they had was a willing heart, obedient to God, and a willingness to work. And I want you to know that on May the 12th of 1897, you received your first child at the Baptist Children's Village. On May the 12th of this year, you celebrated 120 years of reaching out to lost children and families in this state. I want you to know what you do for the past 120 years. You actually literally seek out devastation. You go into homes that are devastated. You're looking for addiction. You're looking for um, homes that are broken because of criminal activity. You're looking for all of those things that sometimes the need's just too big. That's what you do. You look for those things. You want to bring the children in. You want to raise them. You want to work with the families. This is what you do. Specifically, practically, let me give you uh, a point-by-point point in the day or an admission to the Baptist Children's Village. Once we find a home, and I want to talk to you about how you talk to moms and how you talk to the people. But if you will refer them to the Baptist Children's Village, we have an intake specialist. And that intake specialist will get the information. We will send someone out to do a home study to make sure this is a family that we can help. If we can't help that family, we'll get them to somebody who can. We won't drop them. We'll bring those children. If we can help them, we'll bring the children in. And within two weeks, we want to sit down with mom, dad, if they're present, grandparents, if they're present, whatever the situation is. And we want to sit down with them and the children to talk about the issues and see if we can't diagnose what's going on here. How do we bring this family back together, get them acquainted with a Baptist church so they can be grown and, and supported by people like you? Why do we want to put that family back together? I know there are agencies that brag about uh, rescuing the children and keeping them away from the parents. Understand this. Everything we do at the Baptist Children's Village, it is my conviction we do it based on the Word of God. The first institution ordained by God on this planet before the law and before anything else was the family. We don't kick the family aside. So we work with that family. We will raise the children, feed, clothe, educate, provide medicine, provide uh, medical treatment. We do all of that for those children while mom and dad work on their issues, while we can get them to where they need to go so hopefully we can put this family back together. If mom and dad can't get their issues worked out, sometimes they just disappear. You don't put the children back in the street. We raise them. We send them to college. We do what we can to show the love of God. Understand this. I, I run around and I talk to our house parents, and maybe we could even do this exercise here. There's the what we do. We provide food. We provide clothes. We provide a safe home. You have 16 homes around the state of Mississippi. We provide a safe home. We provide education. We do all of that. That's the what we do. The why is so that we can share the gospel message of Christ. Understand this. If you're sitting here this morning and young people, you've heard from the world and you've heard all of this. I've been successful. I've got education. 
God bless my practice. It don't fill the hole in your heart. It's the gospel of Christ that changes lives. If all we do is feed kids, clothe kids, and educate kids and provide a safe home for kids, understand this. I have wasted your money and I have delayed the inevitable. We feed, clothe, and educate so they can hear and they can see Christ. A kid can't hear if he's hungry and he can't see if he's afraid. That's why we do that. That's what, that's what you do. I want you to know, again, you've been doing it for 120 years. And, you know, I'm just a facts person. I'm a numbers person and all of that. And so I had my staff. I said, look, I want you to go back and as best you can, I need the number of kids that have passed through the doors of the Baptist Children's Village. The best number we could come up with that could actually be proven, so this is a low number, over the past 120 years, you have had come through your doors and introduced to Christ 8,000 children. 8,000. And over 120 years, if that doesn't sound like a lot, let me explain it this way. That's 67 new children and their families every year for 120 years. If that doesn't sound like a lot, let me explain it this way. There were five Milner children that passed through your doors. From them came 16 children and grandchildren. Multiply that by 8,000. My brothers and sisters kind of hold this over me, especially that knucklehead brother I've already told you about. He got his first grandchild. I don't have one yet. I've got a daughter and a son, and they're too busy running around the globe, and they hold that over my head. So what I'm saying is you have more coming. We say at the Baptist Children's Village, you change one life at the Children's Village, you will change generations to come. You have children who fill pulpits. You have children who are on the mission field right now. You have children who have already served on the mission field. You have uh, children who are pharmacists, children who are deacons, children who are nurses, children who are school teachers. All because of what you have done in sharing the love of Christ with them. You've done this for 120 years. Understand this. 100 percent the ministry at the Baptist Children's Village you've done it all without any money from the state or the federal government okay you don't take any money from the state or the federal government the Baptist Children's Village is funded by the Mississippi Baptist Convention churches like this one and people like you that's where we receive our money now I don't mind to tell you that uh, you know when I practiced law it was my job and I represented several businesses and they would come in and they would show me business plans and I would look at some of them and go, hey, that's pretty impressive. I think that might work. But a lot of them, I would look at them and go, yeah, that's never going to work, dude. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're going to fall short, and here's where you're going to fall short. Well, after I accepted the job at the Baptist Children's Village, I looked at the budget and really paid attention to how the Mississippi Baptist Children's Village is funded. And then I asked Elizabeth for that contract to see if my ink was dry. Because <laughs> I got to looking at it, and I said, this isn't going to work. We're trusting that much of our income from people just to give it? This will never work. I asked my wife about it, and she said, well, Sam, you better pray about it. She's always right. <laughs> so I did. You know what God told me? He said, Sam, I've been doing this 120 years without you. Why don't you just do what I tell you to do and be obedient like the churches have been for the past 120 years? I said, yes, Lord, I'll be obedient. The other thing you do is you provide house parents for the Baptist Children's Village. The house parents, you have, you have 16 houses open right now around the state of Mississippi. That's in Independence, Water Valley, 
Nanawaya. I have met some people who know where that is. Do y'all know where Nanawaya is? I don't. I've been three times. Every time I had to call them and say, just come get me. I can't get there. GPS is taking me through pastures. <laughs> I'm at a church. I don't know the name. Oh, we know the one. We'll be right there. It's on the other side of the holler. Okay. So they come and get me. You have a church in Star, Mississippi, Brookhaven, Mississippi, Waynesboro, Mississippi, and down on Wiggins, Mississippi. Any baseball fans in the audience? Any baseball fans? The home in Wiggins, Mississippi, the house that the boys live in down there is the same house that Dizzy Dean grew up in. The, the uh, Dizzy Dean's family donated that property to us. So we have people who stop by all the time and go, hey, uh, can we see the house? We're like, yeah, sure, come on in. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's where you are. But in each one of these cottages around the state, you provide the house parent. Understand this, folks. Uh, when we get together as village kids and we tell stories and we get together, it's not the words of the executive director that we remember. It's not the words of the social worker. It's not the words of the case manager. It's not the words of the psychologist or the therapist. The words we remember and the stories that we get told and the stories that we share are from the house parents. The house parents are the people who sit in the cottage. They're the ones that cry with you. They're the ones when the little girl gets turned down for the fourth time by a pre-adoptive placement and they say no. Now, we can say all we want to to that little girl that, hey, it just wasn't the right fit. But what did she hear? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worth it. Nobody loves me. It's the house parent who sits there without a degree, without all the answers, with nothing but love for children and love for God, and tells that little girl, no. There's a creator that created this entire universe, and he loved you so much that he sent his son down here to die for you. That's a house parent. Those are the people who are the true heroes and the true missionaries of your mission. So that's the why we do, that's the what we do. Let's talk a little bit more about why we do it. Uh, first of all, if you want to join me in Psalm 68, 1 through 5. Psalm 68, 1 through 5. This is David, and David's praising God, and he says, God shall arise, his army shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. Understand this. David's quoting, uh, David's quoting numbers here, 1035, and that was the song of the Ark of the Covenant. Every morning when they would get up and they would move forward and they would take that ark, they would hoist that ark up because they knew nobody could stand against this God. Moving on to verse 3. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the desert, whose name is the Lord. Exalt before him. And then we get to verse 5. This creator God, this that no army can stand against nor no man can fathom. This is how David describes him. Father of the fatherless and protectors of widows is God in his holy habitation. Father of the fatherless. Father of the fatherless. That starts meaning something to somebody who has no father. Think about it. In James 1.27, if you want to know what real religion is, he tells us, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father to the, is this, to visit orphans and windows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I can see you're not just hearers of the word, you're doers. You're going around the world. You're actually doing. This is the why we reach out to the orphans. 
You know, we had a saying, not a saying, it was really, really more of a cheer. We played intramural sports in church leagues when I grew up at the Baptist Children's Village. So we would travel to the different churches. We would play basketball. We'd play softball, whatever the sport was. And we had this cheer that as we traveled around, we cheered. We are the orphans, the mighty, mighty orphans. Everywhere we go, people ought to know who we are. So we tell them we are the orphans, the mighty, mighty orphans. And the house parents on the bus reacted pretty much like you're reacting right now. And they would just go, oh, please don't do that. People are going to hear this. And so we would do it all the louder once we got close to the church. We are the orphans. But I got to thinking about it, and I realized, you know, I'm not an orphan. I've got a mom. She's an alcoholic, but I've got a mom. i got a dad. He's a criminal. Don't know where he is. But, but I do have a dad. Well, understand this. As the Bible does this, the, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, they're fatherless. It's yathom. It doesn't mean that both parents are dead. It means that there is no father there. Did he chase another God? Did he chase other people? Did he pursue his own interests? Did he abandon? Are they children from temple prostitutes? Whatever. The point wasn't that both parents were dead. The point was there's no guide. The father provided the identity for the children, the protection for the children. He provided the provisions for the children and all of those things. And for those who didn't have that, it was God that stepped forward and said, Take care of them. He used that word 42 times in the New Testament. 19 of those, it was to how to provide for them. This is the why. In the New Testament, where we get our word orphan, comes from the word orphanos. That word in the New Testament, it doesn't mean both parents are passed away either. It means Christ says, I will not leave you uncomforted or without a guide. Without someone for who? And he was, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit. He was, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit. I've thought about that. And what I've come to realize is this. I'm not the only orphan in this room. I'm not the only one that is in need of a Savior. That is in need of the grace. Y'all, we were all separated from our holy God through sin. And there is sin in our lives. No matter what the world tries to explain to you, that I'm okay and you're okay and you shouldn't feel guilty. Understand this. Christ cannot be your friend until he's first your savior. Where he stands between you and a just God. And God laid on him the penalty and the price for your sin. So we are all in that respect in need of that father of the fatherless. The one in whom we can all trust couple of things that I want you to know after you leave here today. If you want to know what you can do uh, for the Baptist Children's Village from a mission standpoint, it's understand this. The Baptist Children's Village is an evangelical arm of every Baptist church in the state of Mississippi. So number one, understand what get accomplished here, you are accomplishing through your support of the Baptist Children's Village. And you know in this community and maybe in North Mississippi, you know where those houses are or where those trailers are or where those apartments are or wherever, wherever the home is and the kids are always out and it's always crazy and you know there's addiction issues in that house, you know there's criminal issues in that house. And sometimes when we see that kind of need, sometimes it causes us to think, you know, that need's just too big. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to handle that. So I think I'll walk on the other side of the road. Understand this. Because of your cooperative program through all of the Baptist churches with the Baptist convention, you have developed the Baptist Children's Village. The need's not too big for us. Y'all, it's what we do.
So I want to encourage you this morning. You go talk to the people in that house. Understand, no matter how they got to where they are, moms love their children. And you share in compassion with them about the Baptist Children's Village. And you share a couple of things. Number one, we are not the government. Okay? We are not the government. Voluntary placement with me is voluntary removal. What we will do, we want to work with them and let them know we want to keep that family together. Let them know we want to take care of their children. We want to help mom. We want to help dad. And then we want to put them back together. So don't be afraid uh, to reach out to them. I told you uh, a little earlier, and, and I can't leave this out. And I know I forgot it, but I'm going to put it in here. I told you that we don't take any money from the state or the federal government. You need to know that we have a great relationship with the state and the federal government. We take children from the state, children who the state takes into their custody. They will place some of those children with us. But we don't take that board payment. And I've been asked many times, hey, why don't y'all take the money? There's two reasons you don't take money from the state or the federal government. One, it didn't tell the, God didn't tell the government to take care of the children. He told us to. Two, we'll never subordinate the gospel message of Christ to any government entity or any dollar. That's why we don't take the money. I also get asked this, saying, uh, but you're licensed by the state. Yes, I am. That's totally voluntary. We don't have to be licensed by the state. Well, if you're licensed by the state, don't you have all these regulations? Don't you have all these things you have to do? Yes. Y'all, sometimes we count pat, more pats of butter than we do change diapers. Okay. And I get asked all the time. I've been asked by the head of the Child Protective Services, and I've been asked by other agencies. They say, well, see, you don't have to be licensed by them. Why are you licensed by them? I tell them all the same thing. The state cannot give an agency children unless that agency is licensed by the state. We are licensed voluntarily by the state of Mississippi for one reason and one reason only, and this is what I tell them. You have children in your custody that need to hear the gospel message of Christ. I have no confidence in you or any other agency in this state to do it. That's why we're licensed by the state of Mississippi. And that causes some of the confusion about the money because there's a board payment that comes with that. Understand, we don't take the board payment. Okay? Um, so we're sponsored by you. It's for the cause of Christ. It is the evangelical nature, and that's why we exist. I want you to know that in Port Gibson, Mississippi, it was you that showed up. Where's God? God shows up in the form of the Baptist Children's Village. You provided medicine, education, a home, a safe place. For my friend David, uh, he came to the Baptist Children's Village when he was five years old, too. We were very close friends. But when he was eight, he went home for good. We have a saying at the Baptist Children's Village, home for good, home for good. And I always cranked up right before summer. This summer, my parents are getting back together, and we're going home for good. I'm going home for good. Well, David's home for good only lasted till he was 13 years old when the state of Mississippi had to go into his home and remove him for his own safety. He's sitting in a social worker's office down on the coast, and she's asking him, do you have anybody? Who, do you have grandparents? No, I don't have any grandparents. What are you, aunts and uncles? No, I don't have any aunts and uncles. You've got to have somebody. No. I have nobody. But I did live at this place called the Baptist Children's Village one time. And so she immediately picks up the phone because they're familiar with us. We have a good relationship. And she called the Baptist Children's Village. And there was the executive director then was a man named Paul Nunnery, a very robust, strong individual. And he could hear Paul's voice on the other end of the phone. And this social worker says, we've got a boy here. His name's David. And he says he used to live with y'all. Do you want him? And David remembers Paul's voice boom back over that phone. And Paul says, well, are you going to bring him to me or do I need to come and get him?
That's what you do. I want you to know this summer, David came back. He wasn't going to graduate from high school. He had been passed through. He had been passed along. He had barely attended. He was in the eighth grade. So the village's plan for him was to get him a GED. But the summer after he came back to the Baptist Children's Village, he got saved by Christ. Two years later, he and I, I had moved to New Albany, Mississippi, because you had a home there. And I brought him up. I called and said, David, you've got to come up here the year after. And I introduced him to some kids in downtown New Albany that were his age. On the way home, David says to me, he says, Sing, that's the prettiest girl I ever met in my life, son. I said, David, I know you're a Christian now, but uh, that girl's daddy owns that bank right there. You better let that girl alone. <laughs> this past spring, I sat at Palm Bridges Park in Jackson and watched David's daughter win the mixed doubles tennis tournament, high school tennis tournament. In June of this year, he and Martha Witt celebrated 26 years of marriage. He did graduate from high school, Mr. W.P. Daniel. He graduated from college the same year his oldest boy graduated from high school. And the kid that wasn't going to graduate from high school serves on the Board of Education for the city of New Albany right now. Christ can change lives. That's why the gospel is so important. Feeding, clothing, educating, it doesn't accomplish that change in his life. That's why it is the mission of the Baptist Children's Village. So where's God? I can tell you where he is. God's on the benches. God's in the car when the bullets are flying. God's walking with children and families. I don't ask where God is anymore. I think God asks sometime, and the question I ask is, where's God's people? Because God works through the acts, the hands, and the feet of his people. And y'all have been very, very good. Maybe you're here today and you don't know this Christ that I'm talking about. Maybe you need to release from all that you think is common sense and you need to get introduced to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you are wondering, hey, God, do you have anything left for me to do? Maybe you're in the fourth quarter, but I bet I know for a fact that Christ can use you because we need house parents. Y'all, the fields are white unto harvest, but I don't have the workers. Maybe you need to consider having a house parent. Come to a campus. Meet some of our house parents. Talk to some people. Maybe God's calling on you.